You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 29, Rose-Colored Glasses. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 29 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Wow, Brian, 29 episodes. Go us, huh? There you go, keeping it going. Well, I always look forward to these podcasts with you, Mandy, uh, but I do have to say that uh, this week is not going to be one of my favorite ones by any stretch of the imagination. And there, were a lot, there was a lot of nice stuff that we could talk about this week. I saw a uh, clip with Wonder Woman, them filming the new Wonder Woman film, and they've got her on wires going down the road. The Invisible Jet, I yes, know. It, yeah, that did look, you see that? Yes. Yeah. I, you see, I'd like to talk about that. I'd like to, I love that that was a practical, that they're using practical effects to do yeah, that. It so it, looked, does, it definitely it looks so good. Yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> and I mean, I'd love to be talking about that kind of stuff and, and all the neat... A geek stuff that's been going on, but the truth being, um, this weekend a news article broke, and I thought, and I thought about maybe not even talking about this because I know a lot of people have avoided this subject. But if we talk about geek culture, we got to talk about the good and the bad, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I guess I do have to kind of put a trigger warning if if talking about sexual assault and other things of that nature is a problem for you uh, this is not the podcast for you we'll catch you next week so basically what happened this weekend was there was a post by chloe dykstra she's a gamer and a cosplayer and and she's the daughter of like an award-winning john dykstra who yeah. basically invented the lightsaber yes yeah so her geek cred runs pretty deep no doubt so on medium.com, she posted an article. It was unlisted, so you couldn't search for it. You had to know where it was to see it. Hmm. But she wrote an article about a relationship that she was in and described some things that happened during the relationship, and it was, to say the least, rather unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And she said that she wrote the article because she's getting ready to turn 30, and she wanted to put this behind her. And... She didn't name the person who she was talking about. But if you know anything about her past, or if you have even a rudimentary grasp on how to Google, then it was not difficult to find out that the person she was talking about, of course, was Chris Hardwick. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris Hardwick is... Um, the host of Talking Dead and yes. uh, Talking with Chris Hardwick. Yes, yeah. and he has been, uh, well, he, of course, he started a podcast called The Nerdist Podcast. I did not know that. Which became The Nerdist Channel on YouTube, which he sold to Legendary Pictures a few years ago, hmm. and which is a, a huge YouTube channel for nerd news and that sort of thing. I mean, he's been a nerd icon for a long time. He is a prominent figure not just in nerd culture, but he's been at the forefront of of all of this stuff. And to read the article that Chloe Dexter wrote, uh, it was entitled Rose Colored Glasses, to read basically what she had to say about her relationship and the abuses that she went through, it was 
very disheartening. And when I read this, of course, I forwarded the article to you, Mandy, mm-hmm. because yeah. I wanted you to get a chance to take a look at it because I figured we were going to wind up talking about it. So when you read it, how did you feel when you when you saw that? Well, unfortunately, to me, it was very familiar. Let me be clear. I have not experienced an abusive relationship. However, in a prior employment that I was in, I did teach batterers intervention and so I did a lot of studying on it and before that and I'm gonna I'll be honest with you uh Brian I was like everyone else about women and men let me be clear about this people who are in abusive relationships they will go back they will go back all the time and I was one of them I said why why does she stay why would he stay why would he deal with that because I didn't understand everything that goes into this and you become so dependent on them And all these things that she said, I mean, they're very familiar. There's this wheel of power and this wheel of equality when it comes to batter's education. And honestly, there are people, men and women, who don't even realize the things that they're doing is considered battery. One example is checking someone's odometer on their car to make sure that they haven't driven any further than work. Screenshotting someone's texts. Uh, I knew a woman who talked about her her daughter's ex-boyfriend would send her screenshots of her daughter's dirty texts, hoping to get the daughter in trouble so that she would get grounded. And that is the same thing as damaging someone's car so she can't leave or taking her keys so she can't leave. And I'm sorry that I keep using the word she. Those are the ones that we mostly hear about is a woman in an abusive relationship with a man. They're just as prominent, and a lot of times when men are in abusive relationships with women, it's more financial, and it's more emotional. They will use children against them, and the rates of abusive relationships among same-sex couples is amazing. I'll never forget years ago when I saw Johnny Weir said, I thought that's just what it was like when you were in in a a relationship with a man. It was just physically abusive. That's just the way it was. And I hated hearing that. And there's so many, so many ways to, it's about control. You use something to control another person. You have power over another person. And everything she said is exactly what people who are being battered go through. Mm -hmm. And before we go on, I feel like we, I do need to say, Neither one of us really knows Chris Hardwick. We never met him. Uh, the same with Chloe Dykstra. All the experience that we have on either one of them is what we've seen on television or seen in a video. That's it. And so I have to say that given a court of law, I can't say who's right and who's wrong in this situation because I have never seen one minute of the situation. If they dragged me into court and said, do you think Chris Hardwick did this? Do you think... Chloe Dykstra is lying about this. I couldn't tell you because I have no idea. But I can say specifically, emotionally, when I read what she had written, and I'm not saying that her entire article was bulletproof to me. I'm not saying that there aren't gray areas there that might have a place or two that might not have been some sort of a, a misunderstanding. However... A lot of the stuff for me also seemed familiar. And the reason why it seemed familiar to me is that I have been in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was for nearly 20 years, Mm -hmm. off and on. And so 
a lot of the stuff that, that she said and the way that she felt seemed really familiar to me because it was stuff that I went through. That sounds very... Some The one that really jumped out at me was when she said that he told her, you're lucky to be with me. Yeah. And that is, that's a phrase, you know, it may be different, phrased differently. And I can remember reading letters from an abuser to an abusee. I would kill you before I let anyone else have you. I love you that much. Yeah. And that's not love. That's control. Right. Like I said, there's a lot of things that she said that if true, if he did it, it's pretty messed up. And what makes it even worse to me is some time ago during uh, the Harvey Weinstein controversy, Mm -hmm. TMZ caught Chris Hardwick out on the street and they interviewed him about the whole Harvey Weinstein thing and asked for his opinion of it. I'm not going to go over everything that he said. I mean, you can go on YouTube and see it for yourself. But he says the type of things that you would expect somebody, a guy with some common sense to say, specifically that regardless of how things used to be, they're not that way anymore, and that you ought to know better than to treat people the way that he treated them. And so if you treat people that way, you treat women that way, then you should expect to get knocked off your perch and for the things that happen to happen. And it's almost damning to watch him say that because, number one, if he did do those things to Chloe Dykstra that she said in the article, then he should have known better because he Mm -hmm. talked about it. And secondly, he's damning himself with his own words because now the shoe's on the other foot at this point. And again, I want to reiterate, I can't say at 100% that I know Chris Hardwick did the things that Chloe Dexter said. I have no proof of it whatsoever. If we find out tomorrow she made up the whole thing, to be honest to me, that would be even worse. Because not only did Chris have to go through a bunch of crap he shouldn't have gone through, But it's going to make it a lot harder for other women to come out Mm -hmm. because anytime some woman says, I've been through this or that, they're going to throw Chloe Dykstra in their face. Mm -hmm. And like, how do we know you're not lying? And it makes, it would make things worse. And it puts me in a very screwed up situation because it's like, do I want to be somebody that hopes that Chloe Dykstra went through all this crap just so that... That she's not lying because how how much harder would make it for, for other people if she is just lying about this? The aftermath of this has been Chris Hardwick's Talking Dead show has been put on hiatus. All the shows that he does for AMC has been put on hiatus until they investigate. Mm-hmm. And he's also taken himself off of the Comic-Con panels, uh, Comic-Cons in a few weeks. And he was going to be doing the... Walking Dead panel, and he, but he was also going to be doing the Doctor Who panel for BBC America. Mm. And so he took, he's taken himself off of both of those panels. And I've heard some people say, well, you know, this isn't fair. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? Why is he being punished? They don't know if this is true or not. And to that, I have to answer, keep in mind, folks, AMC is not a court of law. Right. They're not mm-hmm. concerned specifically with did Chris Hardwick do it or not? They're concerned with, because they're a business, how the perception of what he may or may not have done will hurt their bottom line. Mm -hmm. And so they're acting in the best interest of the channel. That's that's all that they're doing. The same thing happened with Roseanne. Oh, exactly. You know, know, when, when Roseanne 
uh, was good for business for ABC, they had her show on the air. And when it was bad for business, they took the show off the air. And it's the same thing with Chris Hardwick. I mean, he's not their family. He's their employee. And like any employee, when an employee becomes a liability, you have to either fire them or, you know, figure out a way to repair their reputation so that you can put them back on the air and have them making money for you again. And that's the only thing, you know, the AMC is concerned. There's an old phrase uh, that I grew up with, and I figure you grew up with too, uh, giving what I do know about your background is don't let your good be evil spoke of. Yeah. Yes. And you had to be very careful about who you were seen with who you were seen with alone, and to make sure that you were never alone with people who you sat with at a table. I believe we've had a conversation about that before. And Well, back in the days when I was going to seminary, that mm-hmm. type of thing was drilled mm-hmm. into us like crazy because it's so easy to misconstrue something. And when you're in a situation like you know a religious figure, we were taught people are going to be looking at ways to knock you down. Celebrities, that's a hundred times worse. Mm -hmm. And especially because of the fact that your reputation and what people think about you is your business. Mm -hmm. That's who you are. You are, as a celebrity, you turn yourself into a commodity. And so the way that you are viewed in the world is critically important because it's how you do your business. And I I, want to bring this up also. And I think I've said this to you before. I I don't think we've ever talked about this in the podcast because we never had... um, this has never really come up in a po- mm-hmm. in a podcast setting in t- except for today. But I've always felt that, especially in, in Western culture, that this whole idea about sex, specifically consent, is m- completely messed up and we mm-hmm. just completely do this wrong. And because of that, I think it is it's alarmingly possible that one partner in a relationship can think that they're in the midst of a consensual act where the other person feels like they're being assaulted. Mm-hmm. And specifically because of the fact that we have this dumb idea of not saying no is the same thing as saying yes. Mm-hmm. And that's just messed up. Look, if she doesn't say yes, then she didn't say yes. The fact that we have this system set up so that, you know, we're just trying to avoid the no, we're trying to avoid the rejection. If she doesn't say no, well, then it's, that's fine. And that's, it's messed up. It's screwed up. Not saying no isn't the same as saying yes. There's a whole lot of reasons for not saying no that have nothing to do with saying yes. Mm-hmm. Some people don't say no out of fear or for whatever other reason. And it's messed up in that. And to be honest, the Western understanding of what consent is needs to change. Mm-hmm. because it's just messed up at this point. When I was being trained in batterer's intervention, I was also uh, teaching crime victim awareness, and there were people who genuinely didn't understand about coercion, mm-hmm. getting someone to say yes by such as saying, well, I guess you really don't love me. That's coercion, right. and that does not equal consent. Compliance does not equal consent. Right. And well, I was thinking, they should be teaching this in high school. Yeah, it amazes me. And I, I forget who it was. I saw somebody, it was, it was a doctor, and I forget what her name is. I feel badly that I don't remember, but I do remember the video that I saw, and she talked about consent, and she said consent is the most important part of any sexual relationship, mm-hmm. but it is the one thing that doesn't get talked about in sex ed in, in high school. They talk about all the mechanics. They talk about biology. They don't really talk about consent except to say, Consent's important, and it certainly is important, but the problem is 
the way that we're taught consent or the way that you know we're brought up with this idea of consent is so messed up and screwed up and is causing so many problems that we need to figure a way of retraining people on how this thing needs to work. And I mean, I understand the whole first base, second base system and where this comes from because guys are just basically scared of being rejected and they're scared of getting that no. So they kind of push forward, push forward and hope she doesn't say that she doesn't say no when there needs to be a conversation and there needs to be an actual consent involved before anything happens. But we also have to, since we're talking about this situation, obviously one thing that we have to bring up because this just came up today was that Chris, in an attempt to deny the whole sexual assault charges and that whole, the whole thing that she was saying about the situation is that he, he did release some text messages that he received from her seven months after they had broken up saying that, that she was begging to come back to him. And he had also said previously that, you know, she had cheated on him and that's why they, their relationship was over saying now that, you know, seven months after the relationship, she was trying to get back to him. And so that proves without a shadow of a doubt that she wasn't an abusive relationship because if she was in an abusive relationship, why would she want to get back with him? And Mandy, why would that be? The same reason that everyone else in an abusive relationship goes back. There are so many reasons. Yeah. Uh, they've become financially dependent. They are still in love with that person. There are so many reasons that someone goes back. And there's a cycle. When you go back together, there's this honeymoon phase. I promise I'll never do this again. Everything's going to be wonderful from here on out. And then you go back around and there's this sort of applauding about wanting to have that control over that person again. So there are good times when you're in these kind of relationships. There's wonderful things. The Jekyll Hyde, the one the outside that everyone else sees. And then there's what nobody sees. And if you feel like you're walking on eggshells around someone to make sure that you don't get them upset, these are the kinds of signs you need to watch for. Or they don't want you to be with certain friends. Those are the sort of things that happen. And people who end up in these relationships don't even realize it. And I do believe that there are some people, like I said, don't realize that some of their behaviors are battery behaviors. And there's an excuse. Like if someone did cheat on someone, well, that's an excuse. Uh, she cheated on me, so now I have to check her texts. That makes me a good boyfriend. And they don't realize that that's controlling behavior. And if you choose to take someone back, despite the fact that they cheated, you don't have a right to control them just because of their past mistakes. Right. And where sometimes love can go bad is because love is always about giving to someone else. And if you're doing all the giving in a relationship, it's definitely going to, in a bizarre, twisted way, heighten those feelings of love that you have for this person because you're doing all the giving in the situation. And yeah, that whole idea of walking on eggshells, now, believe me, I know I was, like I said, 20 years and walking on eggshells, knowing that she would leave at any any moment mm -hmm. and having to try to figure out a way of keeping her and, you know, being lied to and all of that stuff. And it was, you know, messed up for me. That's why reading that article was so difficult, because, mm -hmm. like I said, I don't know who's telling the truth. I can't go to a court of law and say, I know who's telling the truth here. But a lot of the stuff that I read there, I'm like, oh, well, that sounds familiar. Something happened to her mm -hmm. in some aspect. And 
if Chris Hardwick didn't realize that what he was doing was assault, then he's got to feel bad about it. Because I know that if I were in a relationship with somebody that I thought was a loving relationship and found out, no, I, I was scared of you. Mm-hmm. That's why I allowed you to have sex with me, because I was just scared of what would happen if I said no. I would feel like crap if I was in that situation. There's this, all this fear that guys are, are just a target. And it's not just guys saying it, because, of course, Chris Hardwick is married to Patty Hearst's daughter, and she went up on Twitter and made all these comments, uh, me Carthyism. And I know Joe Rogan on his podcast has said that the Me Too movement has turned into a witch hunt. Personally, I don't think that it has, although I can see where some people may feel like it could. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just, I, I and do just, think it has the potential to. Anything has the potential of going badly. But at the same time, a lot of things are being uncovered at this point that need to be, because I think until we get past a lot of these things, you know, until that happens... Things are never going to get better. Yeah, for what what I'm looking at is Me Too movement. It really is for the next generation. It's going to be preventative. It's making people look at it now and saying, I can't treat people like this. Not just men treating women or women treating men or men treating men or women treating women. It's we as humans and for, for the next generation. This is how we should act. And as far as being in an abusive relationship Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, doesn't matter your age, if you're a teenager in your first relationship or you've been married for 50 years. If someone is trying to control your behavior in any way, then you are in an abusive relationship. Or if someone does physically harm you and the next day you get the flowers and you get the candy. Don't accept the flowers and the candy. Accept therapy, Bill. You, yeah. you When that person presents you with a therapy bill and says, I really am trying to change. There are no promises. There are no words that will say, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. You wait for them to actually show that you, that they are actively changing. If they are in a batter's intervention program, if they are getting therapy to deal with it, that's what you accept. I think we can close this by saying it's very tempting to look at the situation and look at it as an attack on geek culture. Because these are two geek icons that are involved in the situation. I think we need to keep in mind that that's not what's going on here. Whatever happened, whatever the truth of the situation is, it's not really a reflective of, well, this is just the way that geeks are. Women cosplayers are manipulative. Or geek boys, they want to hook up with a hot girl and they want to wreck their lives. It has nothing to do with that. This is a problem that's a lot older and has is a lot more of a problem, not just in geek culture, but outside of geek culture. It's that, We see it in sports culture a lot yeah. in the news. So, you know, these are just the ones that are in the news. This yeah. happens across the board. As difficult as it is to, to have to deal with this situation, and as badly as I feel about what may have happened and not knowing exactly what happened, and... We may never know the actual truth, but the only thing we can hope for in this situation that whatever happens, that something good comes out of it. If something good can come out of it, then hopefully, you know, all this isn't in vain and we can go on and 
make something better out of all of this. And that's all that I can hope for. So thank you, Brian. Thank you for sharing something so personal with me and with our listeners. Thank you for that. It's not something easy for, especially for a guy to talk about. I think the strength of the Me Too movement has been that people have had the ability to be honest about their situation. And what's also the truth is when I was in my 20s, I didn't behave the best. And I'm not saying that being being 20 was an excuse for any of it, but I behaved in ways that right that I'm not that proud of. And I was very fortunate in my situation where I was being more aggressive as I was aggressive with somebody who didn't have the problem to tell me, look, Brian, this is not right. You need to back off. And I got to learn. Being in a situation where somebody checked me was very helpful to me. And I think that's the main problem a lot of celebrities get in is that they forget their privilege. They forget Mm -hmm. their position and they forget that, that they may be in a situation where somebody is not going to be able for whatever reason, out of fear or concern about their career or whatever, that they're not in a position where they're going to say no. Mm -hmm. And that being the case, they think they're getting a yes, and that's not what's happening. And being in a situation now where people are being more honest about their feelings and being honest about what's going on, I think that can be nothing but positive. Mm-hmm. And eventually it will all get better, I think. You know, now that people are talking about these things and not hiding them, I think that's only good can come of that. Mm-hmm. And although our hearts are getting broken, Along the way, I think uh, it's time. And so, but that will be the end for this podcast. Next week, I promise we'll talk more fun geek stuff. Everybody who's stuck around and listened to this, I hope that you got something out of it. If if you have any comments to make, please feel free to do so in whatever social media. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, if there's anything that you want to add to the conversation, please feel free to do so. As long as we're talking, positive change can happen. I think it's when we're telling people to shut up or we shut up ourselves, that's when we run into problems. And I think as long as we can keep the conversation going, we can move things into a positive way. And that's definitely what hopefully we did today. And so to all the Geek Watchers out there, thank you for all the support that you give to this podcast. And... Until next time, from Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all you geek watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.